chapter 1. Going to read in verse 20. <laughs> Amen. On, um, you may have noticed recently on social media platforms that you can, um, when you sign up or log in, there's all different details. You put in your age, you put in your, um, you know, what year you were born, your date, your name. But also there's another category that used to be really simple, but it's not so simple anymore. You used to put in your sex. It's either male or female. Uh, you may have noticed recently that there's some changes to that. Uh, it's either Mr. or Mrs., Mr. or Miss. Um, but uh, just recently Facebook have ex- uh, extended their, uh, their options to 58 gender options. And I think we're in a bit of trouble when we need 58 options for a two-option <laughs> option, uh, criteria here. So we live in the um, LGBT, LMNOP world, and we need to somehow learn to get through this and understand, and what is the job for the believer? What does the Bible say about this? And how do we get through this? Because that's the world that we live in, and it's, it's encroaching not only our, our lives and our countries and, and our generation, because that's already happened, but the, the interesting fact, it's encroaching Christianity. And Christians need to be ready for a response and need to understand what they believe, where it says in the Bible they believe, uh, and get a gr- better understanding on this, because this generation is getting in some big trouble, and I fear for future generations, especially in this topic. And, um, you know, the, it's funny how they... they they name themselves all these different names. One of them is queer. Queer means to be strange, to be odd, uh, to, be, to spoil, or to ruin. And we've got a lot of queer people today, and, and we live in a queer world. And this is what, something we need to, to deal with. But this is the devil's plan. Listen to me. This is very important. The devil's plan of all these societies and, and this movement uh, pushing forward, the goal, I've got the quote up here, is to emasculate men and to masculinize women. It's to emasculate men, which means to, to make men be women, and to masculinize women, which means mean women to be men. And that is never, ever, 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 never, ever going to work, because men need to be men, and women need to be women. Can we say amen? Can we agree on that start? To just the start? We've got a lot to get through, so if we don't agree on that one, we're going to be in trouble tonight. So I'm going to preach a sermon tonight I've entitled, Serving God in a Queer World, from Romans chapter 1. And the Bible has some very, very clear understanding here. We're going to read through this and break it down. Start in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have, have been clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, is that they are without excuse. Because although, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made uh, into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God has also given them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the create uh, the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving what the natural use of the woman burn in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their, area, of their error, which is due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God, this, this is a very scary scripture, God gave them over to a debased mind, and to do those things which are not fitting, to be filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, whispers, 
backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. That whole, that's just summing up the homosexual lifestyle. This is by Paul here. Who knowing the righteous, uh, the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So that's a big text, and we're going to break them down. But let's pray before we start. God, thank you for your word, that we can lean on your word, that we know your word is the truth, and we can build on this, God. Help us to be wise in these last days, knowing that perilous times will come, God. I pray, give hope to those, God, uh, to everybody that, that struggles in their understanding, God. Bring deliverance, God. Help us to be a light in this very dark world, God. We give you all the glory for what you're going to do this night. And in the mighty name of Jesus, everybody says, Amen. First, I want to look at God's words. And when you go to court and testify, one of the things that you have to do is that you have to place your hand on the Bible and you have to swear by the Bible. It's funny how the world uh, says, you know, they don't believe the Bible, but you have to swear by the Bible. And they say, you tell the whole truth, uh, you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And even the world says you shouldn't lie on what the Bible says. And I find that very interesting because they live in completely different to what the Bible says. And the Bible really is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we need to get back to what... It says, and the Bible doesn't stutter when it comes to homosexuality. It doesn't accidentally not really say exactly what it means. It is very clear. The Bible says the truth will set us free. And it says, buy the truth and sell it not. So when we have the truth, don't exchange it and don't trade it for something else. Verse 25, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And so tonight we need to understand what the Word of God says and make sure we don't change it. We live in a very sexually confused world. Very, very weird world that we live in. We live in a society that celebrates what the Bible censors, what the Bible says don't do, that when their world does it, they're like, yeah, this is us. And they, they celebrate this, and they celebrate people who do this. But the good thing is that the Bible's very clear. So in our text, the Bible says that the excuse of, I didn't know this was bad, is not an excuse. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. This is, a, this is a big statement. That there is no excuse on getting around this topic. Churches that preach that it's fine, it's all good, without excuse. People live this, it's, it's without excuse, like all sin. And the Bible tells us why, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful and became futile in their thoughts, and foolish hearts were darkened. This word futile is a deep word. It means incapable of producing any useful result or pointless. And he says, although they knew God, they refused God. And what happens when you refuse God is that your mind becomes futile. It becomes incapable of producing useful thoughts. And you get to this place where you can't think straight. There's a saying that sin makes you stupid. And anyone that's <laughs> made some mistakes, you know it's true. You go out, you do something stupid. That was stupid because of sin. And, and it does this, but this is the text that backs this up. And our hearts, it says, become darkened. So they can't see the truth clearly. So the Bible is very clear. Let's start with this. There are two genders. There are male and there are female. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There aren't 58 different, different types. There's no different, but I feel this, but there's none of that. There is male and female because God is the one who made us. God is the manufacturer. You can't go back and change what the manufacturer made. And so I know some of you have a beautiful car, but if you put a Ferrari badge on front of your car, it does not make your car a Ferrari. All right? It is still a beat up old Corolla. You know what I mean? It's still the engine makes some funny noises. And just because you put a bat, you change the outside, 
It doesn't mean the inside. It was made by, by Toyota. The engine is Toyota. Everything about it is still Toyota, regardless of what you put on the outside. And that is the same with our lives. No matter what you put on the outside, our inward part is still the same. No matter what you change, surgically or by yourself, nothing is going to change the fact that there is only men and women. That's it. There is no in-between. That's it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So there is a blessing for those who live by God's design. Look at our text, uh, Genesis again. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And he, God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Look at all these blessings. Multiplication, dominion, uh, and fruitfulness. These are only reserved for those that live God's way. There is a blessing. So if you do it God's way, there's a blessing. But we all understand now, if you don't do it God's way, that there's a curse. It says in verse 24, Therefore God gave them up to their uncleanness, the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. You know, to explain this text, God has a special grace upon everyone. Like there's a restraining force on all of us that, that stops us from doing the stupid things that we think about. I mean, you thought about doing something really dumb, but then you didn't. That was by the grace of God that we didn't. Because we all have some crazy thoughts from time to time, and thank God we don't do them. Here, it says, you know what, you, you, you don't want to do this? You, you want to pull away? God says, okay, I'll take my hand off and there'll be no restraint. That things will be done, it'll be, it'll be influenced by the demonic. And with homosexuality, God gives them over and there's no conviction. There is no even regret. There's no remorse and there's no shame because God pulls his hand back. And God is a very jealous God and he won't share his glory. Verse 25, they exchange, of truth, exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the, create, the creature rather than the creator. That's a big statement. God is saying, instead of worshiping me, you're worshiping what I've created. And God is a jealous God, and God does not take that lightly. You know, we need to, we need to understand that this, this sin of, of homosexuality is not a side issue. It is not, a, oh, what do you believe? What do you think? No, no, no. The Bible takes this very, very seriously. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, don't be deceived. He goes, stop, stop getting your mind warped on this. And he mentions a whole, whole list of sins here. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But then I like verse 11. He goes, well, such, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. He says, no matter what you've done, there is always hope. And, that, that, and the good news is that no matter what, how far people have gone, there's no like cutoff that you can't come back to God he says here, no matter what you've done here, but you were washed and you could be sanctified and justified by the grace of God. And that is the good news of the gospel. No matter where you've come from, there is hope for you. But we need to judge this, that this is wrong. And marriage is only between a man and a woman. God created it. We have no right to try and change what God created. Let's look secondly at fake news from Sodom. Fake news from Sodom. Mankind is amazing at making excuses for ourselves. You know that? You know, you're true? Like, yesterday I busted some people when they had outreach, they were shopping. And um, we were there, and they're like, oh, um, we were witnessing to the people inside the shops, right? And so I looked inside, and there was no one inside the shop. And I was like, did the rapture happen? And like, yeah, yeah, and there was two raptures, actually. That's the first one, and there's another one. It's amazing how quickly we can backtrack and cover our, <laughs> you know, and so they got snapped. Praise God for that. But it's interesting that even when it comes to this issue, that people make excuses. So this, when you have these, these conversations, people are going to say, this is what they're going to say, and I'm going to help you. This is what you can say in return. So this is the arguments against God's word. First, people say Jesus never addressed homosexuality. 
And they say, if it was important to Jesus, he would have addressed it. Okay, the reason why that's a lie is three, three reasons, three issues wrong with that. Number one, he did address it in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. He addressed marriage, and he made marriage between a man and a woman. And so he, he did address it, and he made sure this is where it stands. Matthew 19, 6. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. I think that's pretty clear. Jesus isn't into anything. It's very, very clear. So firstly, he did talk about it. Secondly, even if he didn't speak about it, the Bible is, the whole, is a whole book. The scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And as you read the Bible, you'll know that God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are one. So even if it says in another area, that is still spoken through the word of God, which is Jesus Christ in the flesh. And so some people think, oh, because Jesus didn't say it, uh, it's okay with him. No, no. Jesus was there when he rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom. It was Jesus, the God, and the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. We sang it tonight. Our God is three in one. And so wouldn't it be weird if God didn't like it, but Jesus didn't mind it? That's really weird. I don't know what type of doctrine that is, but we're in serious issues. So we can't use that as an excuse. And the third thing, you can't just say because Jesus didn't mention it, it means it's okay. Did Jesus mention pedophilia? Did Jesus mention beating your wife up before church? All of a sudden, no, it's all right. Well, he didn't say it, so I don't know what to do. Hey, Jesus didn't say it. Uh, Anyway, so there we go. Is that clear? We good? We good on that one? All right, sorted. Solid. All right. Then the second one, firstly, so Jesus did address it. The Bible talks about it many, 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 many times. Um, And then the other main lie that we get is this is who I am on the inside. I know I'm a man on the outside. I'm a woman on the inside. And sometimes I start to believe him, but I realize the Bible is true. So, okay, four things with that. Number one, who you are actually on the outside is who you are on the inside. All right, so God makes you right. God doesn't make any problems here. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. God didn't make any mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes with creation. It's not on a conveyor belt and one, you know, there's a split. Some go female, some go male. All of a sudden, God like sipped his coffee and missed one and one accidentally went into the female side. God doesn't work like that. God knows exactly what he's doing. And so if, if you hear a man say, I, I'm, I feel like just I'm a man stuck in a woman's body, you can say this. I've got a quote here. The only time a man is stuck in a woman's body is when his mother was pregnant. That clarifies it all. That's the only time I'm stuck in a Yes, you were until you were born, and then that's it. You are, you are a man in a man's body, a woman in a woman's body, because God is so good to us. Hallelujah. Number one. <clears throat> Number two, they say, this is who I am on the, in the inside. Scientists have proven that there is no gay gene. There is nothing that you can, anything uh, that you can check uh, through the human body that will find that this person was either straight or, or homosexual. There is zero biological evidence. In fact, sorry, there is nothing at all that proves someone is a homosexual. There's nothing that actually proves that. It just, people act like that. There's nothing through science, through biology, that can, can confirm that someone is like that on the inside. And so you can't actually, no one can actually be homosexual on the inside. They can't because there's nothing there to, to base it. You can be a man, you could be a woman. We can, we can trace your DNA. We can trace where you came from. We can trace your blood. We can trace your heritage. But you can't trace this because it is not there. You can't look for something that's not there. So only people that are homosexuals want to practice it. You know, I know they teach you this in school. You know, some people, ever since you were a boy, you realize something was wrong with you. And it's funny, yeah, when I was five years old, I knew something was wrong. You didn't know anything at five years old. 
You knew understood sexual orientation at five years old. You didn't understand anything. You couldn't spell your name. You couldn't go to the toilet by yourself. But all of a sudden, you knew at five years old. And then with these idiotic parents that say, well, he picked a Barbie, so he must be gay. Well, that's, uh, he picked a Barbie. Who am I to say, well, you, you need to give your kids over to someone who actually be a parent and look after children properly. Because as a parent, you give guidelines and says, no, that's wrong. This is right. Hallelujah. All right. And if your son grabs the Barbie, it's like, it's all right, made an accident. All right, he's grabbing the, the monster truck or something. That you, don't, you don't push that agenda. And so this must be very, very careful. We must understand this. And so that whole, oh, ever since I was a young person, I knew, no, when you get saved, you know. And you know what's right and wrong when you get saved. So that's number two. Science has proven there's no gay gene. Number three, how you feel on the inside is not an excuse or a reason to, to do what's right and what's wrong. That's not a good gauge. This is how I feel on the inside. But I feel that I'm gay, so what do I do? Okay, so why don't we go to the pedophiles who say they feel they're attracted to underage boys and girls? So do we just say, hey, you feel it, who are we to judge? No, we have laws, we'll lock you up. And so nothing has changed. Is it okay because that's how they are on the inside? This is just how I am on the inside. Well, change, <laughs> right? That's right. Who we are on the inside is wrong. A lot of things on my inside, I need God's help for me to get me through these things. And this is the fourth thing is that because we are hardwired to sin. All of us are hardwired to sin. And even if they were, they did find some, some gay gene. J, uh, Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we need to repent from our sin. Liars need to repent from their sin. Drunkards need to repent from their sin. Fornicators need to repent from their sin. Homosexuals need to repent from their sin. And like I preached this morning, it's a full change, right? It's true conversion. It's complete. It is not, I'm a, I'm a gay Christian. There is no such thing as a gay Christian. Like this, there's no such thing as, a, as an adulterating Christian. There's no such thing. It doesn't work. And these are the fake news from Sodom. So let's close with how Sodom was born. Like we said, nobody's born gay, but there is a path that people take. And our text says there's two paths that we take. Number one, there's an exchange. or a transference. Verse 28. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For, their, for even their women exchanged... That word here is very important. Exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use for a woman, burned in with their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. This word exchange is only used twice in the Bible, and it's in our text. And it simply means to trade places. And that is done through our own decisions. We, we exchange. It says women exchanged, men exchanged. It wasn't God doing this. It was our own personal choices. And this is why you have to be very, very careful, especially when you're young. People get, there's this whole thing, just experiment, see what you feel. You, you Do not start messing with this. Don't start looking at it. Don't start playing with it. Don't start thinking about it because it's a slow progression and you will soon enough exchange what is natural for what is shameful. And this is very, very, you must get this right. In high school, I encourage everyone that's in high school, be very careful. Be careful what you get involved in. Be careful what you do. Be careful what classes you sit in at, at university or in high school. If you're in a class and they're teaching you about homosexuality, and actually I've had to deal with some of the, the younger people in our church, they've gone to classes and they teach how to have safe, safe sex as a homosexual. They teach that in our schools. They used to teach how to pray in school. They used to teach how to read your Bible in school. They used to teach two plus two is four in school. I don't know what the heck they're teaching now. I was like, I only hung out, I can't, I can't remember which one of them. But you need to be careful. 
because you start going down this path, things will start changing. And things have changed already. Deuteronomy 22.5, this is one thing that could help a lot of people. A, ma- a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do are, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Remember the days when the men used to wear baggy pants and the girls used to wear tight clothes? Back, back in the day. Now it's the men wearing the tight clothes and it's the women wearing all the baggy jeans and stuff. And it's like, wait a second, I think something is wrong here. If we could just meet in the middle, don't wear tight or too baggy. Just wear what fits, okay? And if you need help, um, speak to Beck. She'll help you. Anyway, so firstly, there's an exchange. But secondly, this, this is very important, is that there's a pursuit or a path that you take. Verse 28, we, we, listen to this. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, so they knew about God, but they just, are just going to refuse to think about God. He goes, God, God says, you don't want to think about me? Okay. And he gave them over to a debased mind, or a, a faulty mind, to do those things which are not fitting. And then look at the start of verse 29. Being filled with all. This is not, these are some of the things that happen in, in the homosexual lifestyle. This is what, what they are filled with. Very, very intense here. Unrighteousness. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Sexual immorality. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, of murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Inventors of evil things. I think one of the evil things they've invented is using what God gave, God gave a sign as protection and as a covenant blessing, which is the rainbow, which he gave after obedience. And they've changed that and invented that to become a sign for the homosexuals. Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. There's a lot in there, but the last line here, but also those who approve to those who practice them. This is where the church needs to make a stand. Again, this is not hating on, on people who practice homosexuality. They need to get saved just like everybody else. And actually, there's people in our fellowship, some actually pastored, who in their past got involved in the homosexual lifestyle. So there is hope, and it's not, we don't just blast people, oh, you're, that's it, you can't come to our church, that's, that's wrong. But we're there, come and repent. Come get your heart right with Jesus Christ. And all these things are part of their life. That's not love. They make it, oh, it's just all about love. Look at the list. It's not about love. So how do we live righteously while living in Sodom? Number one, just firstly, word to their parents, be careful what you expose your children to. Lot lived in Sodom, but he didn't protect his children. And ultimately, when the men came, he offered his daughters. Can you imagine that? Offering your daughters to these perverse men? So you must be careful what you open yourself to. Be very, very careful. Get involved in their school. Get involved in their daycare. Get involved in their primary school, intermediate, high school. Don't just send them to school and say, hey, all the best. Find out what movies are they watching at school. What books are they reading? What, what are they learning in their classes? Uh, what are they teaching in sex ed class? Why do they need to know that at 12 years old? Teach your kids. This is how you have safe sex. Get married. Problem solved. Pro- forever, for all time. Why do we have to teach this in school? So number one, be careful what you expose your children to and yourself. Don't be watching things. Don't be looking at things that, that have got this or have these themes because they play with It's a spirit and it's an aggressive spirit. So number one, be careful what you expose yourself to. Number two, just don't even joke about it. Don't play with it. Don't meddle with it. Don't be hanging around this. Don't muck around. Because you, know, you remember that school, people muck around about it and it's funny. But it's not funny. Be careful who you hang around. If people are mucking around like this, you need to be careful who you hang around. Be careful, especially in sport. 
And while I'm, while I'm here, you're telling me that in women's rugby, that it's not, it's not blatant everywhere? You're going to look me in the eye and tell me that? You can't, because you know what's going on. And actually, I've been reading a lot of articles on this. The fastest growing female sport in the last 10 years is, is women's rugby, because they say women feel most accepted here. Lesbian women. So be careful what you get yourself involved in. The third thing, the way to protect ourselves, is that we keep loving the sinner, but we still reject the sin. Amen. Again, it's not, it's not if a lesbian came to our church, I can't believe it. They're a sinner just like you, man. And so we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus, no matter where we've come from. But we expect things to change. Uh, you know, many of you know Ke- my brother-in-law, Keenan. He's starting up his church in, um, in, in Werribee. And they had a, a transvestite come to their church. Uh, and they had him over for, they didn't know at the time. And so Louise was playing pool with her. It was actually him, but it was just as her. And they're playing pool. And then she, she went to break and all the balls went <laughs> everywhere. And Louise is like, no woman's that strong. There's something, something up with this. It's, they tried to work with them. So it's not we're against. It's not like, oh, they, they hate. No, we hate all sin. We're against sin. We, when we, we don't say sin is acceptable, but we're always there for people. So let me close real quickly with a long-term curse of homosexuality. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You know, most, most times when people get involved in sexual sin or in homosexuality, it starts with just being, just being a bit loose in their own sexual lives. And sexuality has no, sexual sin has no, no um, satisfaction, so you need more and more and more and more. Then you end up going to the places you never thought possible. And so the Bible here says, though, sin against your own body. Now, what does that mean? I'll ask you a question. Have you ever met an old homosexual? Chances are you haven't. American scientists have said gays die younger than smokers. It claims that engaging in homosexual behavior reduces the lifespan by up to 24 years. Because you sin against your own body. In contrast, lifespan of a smoker is only seven years shorter. It's three times worse than smoking every single day. This is something very, very, it's sin against your own body. I've got all these statistics. It's one man, uh, he's a journalist, he's, he's, who's actually gay. He says, a gay lifestyle is a sewer. Researchers Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen found that the cheating ratio of married gay males, given enough time, approaches 100%. He didn't find one gay couple that were married that were faithful to each other. So when they say, oh, it's all about love. No, it's not. No, it's not. That many of them, they bow, they say, to an open relationship, which they set the grounds that there's no, there's no faithfulness. They, in fact, another study concluded that 43, can you, I, this, I should have put this on the screen. 43% of male homosexuals have had more than 500 partners in their lifetime. 43, so nearly half have had over 500. Because this is a lifestyle that has no foundation. It has no satisfaction. And God gives them over to a debased mind. And they go to places they never thought possible, sleeping with over 500 men. And I can go, there's more studies, I'm not going to get into all of them. They say only 2% of homosexuals live past 65. So what do we need to do? As a church, as a nation, we need to pray. We really need to pray for God's hand of grace upon our lives, upon our nation. New Zealand was the 14th country to legalize gay marriage. So there's going to be a curse that comes with that. We've seen God defend New Zealand, but we're making it very hard for him.
So God can deliver. God will deliver. But Christians need to be wise. Christians need to be these smart and pray against this spirit. You know, we, I'm, I'm amazed that all these churches, that the leaders in their churches are actually homosexuals. Can you believe that? Like, this is insane. Hillsong had a gay choir leader, openly gay. And like, this is insane. This is one of the main churches in Australia and around the world. So this is something you have to be careful with. Don't, don't muck around with this. With, with kids, don't, don't muck around and met, let them play in the wrong thing. No, no, lead them and guide them. The spirit of this age wants to get them as a little boy. Get them as a little girl and try and change them and try and mold them. Don't call girls boys' names. Amen. Don't talk, go, call boys girls' names. Call them by their name. Call them what, what is right. Because, and the Bible says that we have to be careful that we don't influence this and we don't accept this as a church. So as Christians, again, I, this is not a hate sermon. I hope it hasn't come around as a hate sermon. I just want to tell you what the Bible says. And we need to pray for these people that they can understand the love of God. Because all they're searching for is love. All they're searching for is acceptance. And they're trying to find this, but they will never, ever find it. But if we can just understand this, we can live straight in this very queer world. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. We'll get the band to come up. Hallelujah. No one moving around just for the next few moments.